0: Tony really struggled in his marriage. He and his wife seemed incompatible and headed toward divorce. Focus on the family many, many times which is just very encouraging, very encouraging for us to stick together, to pull through, to
1: work it out, to, um, to go the distance.
0: I'm Jim Daly. This season, help us give families hope like we did for Tony and his wife. Please give generously today at focusonthefamily.ca slash give. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. Guard your heart,
1: for from it flow the wellsprings of life. If I don't take care of my heart, which is my emotions and my
2: values and my schedule and all that, then I'm not going to be able to give it to anybody else. That's Dr. John Townsend. He's our guest today on Focus on the Family, sharing some relational tools to help us invest in others and also to allow others to speak into our lives Thanks for joining us today. Your host is Focus President and author Jim Daly, and I'm John Fuller.
0: You know, John, I think everyone wants to live a healthy life, uh, but they don't always know how to get there, and there's always these attributes that they manifest that are very unhealthy, and it prevents them from living that very healthy life that they want to have, and especially healthy relationships. Our good friend, Dr. John Townsend, uh, has thought a lot about this and has some wonderful ideas, On how to do that, how to uh, strengthen yourself, get yourself in a healthy position, and then be that cup of cold water to the relationships around you, which Mm -hmm. is what Jesus is really calling us to do. Mm -hmm. And he's going to offer some great practical wisdom on how to do that. I think you want to kick back, get a cup of coffee, cup of tea, and sit
2: in and listen to this one. Yeah, you're going to find balance and encouragement for your daily life from Dr. Townsend. He's a nationally known leadership consultant, psychologist, a best-selling author, and is the founder of the Townsend Institute for Leadership and Counseling. And his book that forms the basis for our conversation today is called "People Fuel." Fill Your Tank for Life, Love, and Leadership. And we've got copies of that here at FocusOnTheFamily.ca. John, welcome back to Focus. Glad to be here, guys. Um, the
0: title, People Fuel, is great. Now, Gene and I, just to give you an idea, I mean, I'm more the extrovert, she's more the introvert, and we talk about how we either are fueled... Mm-hmm. in a group or defueled, if I could say it that yeah, way. Yeah, some people say gains are drained. <laughs> right, and that that's true. But you know one thing, it's so interesting to me, I think, and maybe this is part of being married, and I don't even know if this is clinically accurate, but I think over the years, I've adopted a bit of her need to back up a little bit. I used to, in my 20s and 30s, it was all outbound. You know, I just loved mm-hmm. being in a group, and it was party time and crazy mm-hmm. and fun, and the more parties, the better, right? Mm-hmm. And then I realized, and I need time to back up because mm-hmm. I'm really empty. Is that kind of normal? It's very normal. They found out, <laughs> in fact, that the extrovert needs cave
1: time, not as much as the introvert, but everybody needs that cave time.
0: So, and the idea there, though, for for her, for the introvert, is you do need people time too. Is that a that ob- was the other yeah. <laughs> thing that, that God made us to need both? The, sort of the reflective time to
1: say, "How's life going? Get my energy back." But I also need that good stuff that comes from the right relationships.
0: And you also say in the book, which is fantastic, people fuel. That we have set needs. I think we, you know what I love about this? Let's get this right out of the way. The idea of amalgamating Christianity with psychology. I think it's a fact that as you as a Christian are identifying patterns that God has set in us as human beings, I think it's one of the most comfortable blends of science and faith in the disciplines of science. Do you agree? No question about it. In fact, most of what I
1: study now, Jim, is neuroscience. And that's because every robust study that comes out about resilience or relationship or success or career, every well-done study basically says one thing, the Bible has it all. Right. That thousands of years ago, God said those things. And you can find Bible passages. It's a little bit like there's this tapestry in your in your home that says, Principles of love, principles of success, principles of child raising, and then finally, because of neuroscience, the author's name, God, is on the bottom of that tapestry. The hard science now says he had it right all the way. Well, over. and
0: it shouldn't surprise us as Christians. That's the funny thing that we seem like, wow, that's amazing. But science should align itself with with Scripture, especially right. in the area of human behavior. Yep. Uh, So with that understanding, you say there are two sets of needs, functional and relational, Mm -hmm. but that relational needs are often not met. Mm -hmm. So go ahead and describe those two and speak more about unmet relational needs. Yeah, so... The functional needs,
1: briefly, are that we all need to work, we need to do tasks, be responsible, hold our finances together, all the structured kind of scheduled things we do. But the relational needs are like what we need to know that we're loved, we know that we're we're accepted, that there's wisdom around us, that we can get truth. And the problem is, a lot of us were trained to think, okay, I'm supposed to give all those things to other people, but I'm, I'm supposed to only get them from three sources, just from the Lord, or my spouse. Or my labrador retriever max (laughs) because he licks me because he (laughs) unconditionally cares about me so i just go that way and it's great we need the lord and the holy spirit in the bible and we need our spouse and we need max but the bible says oh so much more about other people that we need grace and nutrients from I, i got the whole concept from um Um, from the world of bio-nutrients, you know, we're all into getting healthy and taking supplements and eating right these days, but we kind of never do. And I started thinking, okay, there's bio-nutrients like calcium and like, uh, you know, uh, iron that we need to stay healthy. I thought, there's also relational nutrients. There's the Mm. way that we get those, and we we get those to each other not from a pill or a supplement, but from a conversation, uh, a text, a warm lunch or whatever, where we find out that we can get the acceptance we need from others, the wisdom the encouragement, the truth, the challenge. So the concept of relational nutrients is, are we getting the ones we need from each other? You know, 1 Peter 4.10 says that we are the stewards of God's manifold grace. God just basically said, I'm giving my grace to people through people. Am I getting that from people, and am I providing that for my family and my friends? Right. But to say I'm struggling in my work or my marriage or my, my physical health, vulnerability brings those nutrients but it's a little scary for us but yeah. if we can pull that off with safe people the flow of nutrients works and we're always feeling like I'm, I'm i'm ready to take the day
0: and that's what i appreciate about the um you know the gentle nudging you're giving us here to kind of get out of the comfort zone yeah. kind of the cave as you described it mm-hmm. Get to know the cave next door, right? Yes. In that way, you have four quadrants of relational nutrients. Uh, describe what those four quadrants are and how each of them relate to us. Yeah,
1: they're all just kind of different categories of how we supply each other with the right fuel and, and get supplied. The first one, which is called be present. The first quadrant was be present. That means basically it means to be with somebody and be present emotionally and shut up. You know, in, in Job chapter 2, it says that his friends sat with him seven days and seven nights and did not speak a word to him, for they saw his grief was very great. Mm-hmm. Only good thing they did in 42 chapters, right? Um, <laughs> and, 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 and so sometimes you just got to be with somebody and comfort them and say, I'm here. I want to get in the well with you. I want to support you. Number two is um, provide the good. You know, we all need people to kind of be a little uh, dopamine hit for each other. We encourage each other. We say, "I believe in you," and you're struggling in your job or your health or your or with COVID or your finances or your spiritual life. I believe in you. I'm on your side. I respect you. And people just need that little pop of you just gave me an endorphin. And literally, that's what the neuroscience says. Hmm. We give each other endorphins, and we feel better when someone encourages us. So you've got to provide the positive good for people. So yeah. there's being present, and there's providing the good.
0: That's good. What are the other two?
1: Um, the, the third one is provide reality, because sometimes we need what I call a Gandalf, you know, in Lord of the Rings, the guy with the, the wizard. <laughs> and he has these lot of cryptic statements, and you go, oh my gosh. And the person that can go deeper and say, why is that? Or Here's another perspective, give you honest feedback, give you insight, wisdom. You've got to get that from the right people. So that that provides so much when people go, oh, now I see things you gave me clarity. It's the wisdom aspect. And what's the fourth one? Well, the fourth one is sort of like, now let's get our butts out of the seats and do something. It's, <laughs> it's the action step. It's like, what's the action you're going to take? Because we can have all the presence we want, all the good love we want, all the wisdom we want, but you got to make behavior. And so what's your next challenge? What's your homework assignment? Is there a, a course you need to take? You need to have that conversation. That's what action is. And so we're all the time giving and receiving those four, depending on what you need at a different time
0: to each other. And it's so good. And that's all contained in the book, People Feel. And John's going to give some details about that in a minute. L- let me also ask you, and this is a this is one that, again, uh, I think I have often tried to figure out where is this line. Uh, people think it's selfish to think of your own needs. Um but you say it's crucial to maintain health and well-being. But where is that line, especially for the Christian, to be mindful of your own needs? Because that feels, at times, selfish. It does. That we would put ourselves first. But sometimes you need to. Describe when that is appropriate, when it's spiritually right, mm-hmm. and when it's wrong. Yeah,
1: I, I always go back to the Bible on that because we've, we've missed so many verses. For example, um, Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. Guard your heart. For from it flow the wellsprings of life. If I don't take care of my heart, which is my emotions and my values and my schedule and all that, then I'm not going to be able to give it to anybody else. And then Paul says in Philippians, look not only to your own interests, but those of others. Not only to your own, but of others. So it's always been in the Bible, but I think sometimes we've missed that and said, well, any sign of self-care is selfish. And it can be, but if you're taking care of yourself... And you're a healthy person you're going to want to give
0: to the kingdom and to others right and i think in that context again this is just a personal example that hopefully encourages couples like Jean and i i, I think it took us time in our marriage mm. to figure that out that i enjoyed going for a workout or doing something and at first i think she felt Wow. Okay. What What about time for us? Yeah. Are you kind of leaving us? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you know, of course, then kids arrive, and then (laughs) where are you? I need you. (laughs) And and we get all that. But she is in such a good place with that now. You know, for herself, taking a walk and Mm -hmm. doing those things that she needs to do, and doing them, and not feeling guilty about it. Mm -hmm. And then you know, letting me go work out and and do some of those things that I need to recharge. Why does it, first of all, why does it take us time in our marriages to work that out for each other? Well, it does because in the early parts, you
1: have this kind of honeymoon period where I just can't get enough of being together with you. And right. it's a good thing because that glues us together to get ready for the fact that, wait a minute, you're not perfect. I'm not maybe I need some space. But then once the honeymoon's over and you've got, I know you and you know me, all of a sudden we know I need some space because space creates longing. There's a great song that says, It's a country song. It says, how can I miss you if you don't go away?
0: (laughs) (laughs) So your walks and her walks make you go, hey, I missed you, and you get back together. It sounds like an introvert speaking. (laughs) Pretty much.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Please, go away so I can miss you. (laughs) This Focus on the Family broadcast will continue in just a moment. you love to connect with donors? Are you interested in overseeing a portfolio of donors and connecting them with the impact their support is having? Named one of the best Christian workplaces in Canada, Focus on the Family Canada is looking for a full-time donor cultivation specialist to join our dynamic team in Langley, B.C. If you or someone you know feels called to serve families while growing in their skills, explore current job openings today at focusonthefamily.ca slash Financial moments with Tom Copeland.
3: Most people believe that how they manage money has no impact on their relationship with their spouse. This is not true. Almost every week, someone calls me, it could be the wife or the husband, indicating that they and their spouse are having some financial difficulties. Generally, one or both spouses have been violating God's financial principles by spending more than they are earning and accumulating debt. This debt results in stressful arguments between husband and wife and often destroys the marriage relationship. Without me asking anything about their marriage relationship, frequently they will share that their marriage relationship is in serious trouble. And so often what started out as a financial problem many years ago that was not resolved has now developed into some very serious marriage relationship problems which if not dealt with quickly will likely result in separation and divorce. Recommendation: Learn to manage money God's way and it will significantly increase the success of your marriage. To learn more, check out copelandfinancialministries.org.
2: Thanks for listening to Focus on the Family. Let's resume now with the balance of today's programming.
0: John, what I love about all of your books, uh, they're so practical and you give such pithy, direct guidance on what to do. And another area in your book, People Fuel, you mentioned the seven C's. We're not going to take time to cover all seven. Let me just, uh, two of them, Coaches and Comrades. What are you getting at with people seeking out coaches and comrades? And if you want to mention another couple, that's fine too. Yeah, the whole concept of the seven C's, Jim, is that we've got to take responsibility for who we spend
1: our time with, because there's some people hard. Like we said, you know, earlier, there's some people that they're nice people, but God bless them, they're drains. Uh-huh. And there's some people that are gains and give us rich nutrients so we can function, have great energy, great creativity, and focus. Well, you've got to build up those those top groups, the coaches and comrades, so that you can help the others. So the coaches category is basically someone who knows something you don't know. It could be working out. It could be music. It could be business. It could be spiritual director they only not only do they know what you, something they call it subject matter expert SME but they also have the, they're trained in coaching you know you can have somebody who knows something but if they don't really have the train to teach and know how to pro- provide for the obstacles and the and the strategy it's not going to go well so they're trained to teach it but the third one is my favorite the third criterion is they have no personal need for you <laughs> that's oh, good now <laughs> I'll tell you why this is great because either they're pro bono because they made whatever they made and you know they're just doing it or you pay them and, and coaching pays now at about three times what you pay for it. That's what the Harvard says. Say that one more time. Coaching pays one- about three times as much, as much whatever you pay for it. It pays back. Okay, so the, the return time. is the, the really return. significant. Incredible. But the reason it's good that they, you have no need of it, then you don't have to spend in your little one-hour Zoom with them half the time asking them, you know, how was your vacation? How are your kids? How is your, you know, granny? When I have tons of coaches because I have a lot of needs. So, and when I, when I call my coach, I just say hi, and he says hi, and then it's all about me. I, and so it's not 30 <laughs> minutes of, of their life. And you can be kind of healthily selfish because it's dedicated to your betterment. That's the thing that makes a coach great. Yeah, that is good. And then the comrades? Comrades, you know, I got that from the military. It's like, sure. you know, comrades in arms and all that. We all need what I call a life team. And a life team is anywhere between three and ten people in your life, and they have several characteristics. They know everything about you, and they still love you, and they want to push you to grow, and they can be vulnerable with you. They know it all, they love you, they want you to see you grow, and they want to be vulnerable with you. And so you walk through life with them, and I have a structure in the book about it where you meet either in a group or individually every week, two weeks, three weeks. And you get together and you you commit to being honest and open about how life is really going. And you care about each other, and you maybe bring a, a Bible passage in or you pray for each other. But it's a way to say, I need these people in my life
0: to give me the nutrients I need, and I want to provide them for them. It right. becomes my growth team. In that context, John, you look at, again, culture today. I think it, just personally, Jean has a couple of Bible studies she's involved, and I would say mm-hmm. that there is where she's getting that. Mm-hmm. Men tend to be more loner oriented. You know, it's when you say three to ten guys guys <laughs> my, my that guy would be friends that say, close to me they, going, wow. they always go well how about two and how about <laughs> how about one but you, you know what i mean yeah. is, and i agree it's so important i do have three mm-hmm. that i feel are really close in that way but speak to that person that is struggling especially that man who you know they're going wow i don't think i have anyone
1: like yeah. that what can they do yeah I have a system in the book about that where basically, and I did this to myself because I wanted to eat my own cooking, is you go (laughs) through Microsoft uh, contacts. We've all got that, you know, Outlook. And you just walk through it. If you can't think of anybody that knows you fully, loves you fully, wants to grow and be vulnerable, and sometimes there's a situation, especially if you're a guy, you'll take you about an hour to walk through it. And you'll go through, okay, him, maybe, maybe ooh, that one's still in prison, maybe not. And then, you, <laughs> and then you make it done, and you go, oh, there's like 20 names here, and you call them one at a time and say, hey, I just want to catch up with you. How's life going? And you catch up, and you have lunch or whatever. And the, here's the magic. You take a vulnerable risk, a little one, and stick your toe in the wall. You don't say, my life is awful. You say, well, we're str- struggling with our teenager, or my job's not what it should be, or marriage is kind of struggling. You take a small, vulnerable step, and they will tell you if they're the right person by one of three con- uh, uh, responses. Yeah. Number one, they'll, they'll say, you're a Christian. What are you doing having problems? Okay, nice person, not a comrade, because they're judging you, right? Number two, they'll say, you know, the weather around here is great, isn't it? I just love this weather. Well, they're saying, <laughs> Avoid her. Avoid her, man. I can't, <laughs> I can't go there. Yeah. Okay, nice person, not a comrade. Third person will say, Oh, you got a problem with your daughter? Okay, here's three books to read. Now, here's the seventh Bible passages. Are you hugging your daughter? Are you having boundaries with your daughter? Do you know her friends? And they give you all—they're the advice monsters. Yeah. And they're telling me, "I want to be the, the the great, you know, wisdom person for you, but I don't want to be open." The fourth person, and this is the great one, will put down their fork and lean across physically and say, "I had no idea about Sandra and your daughter. I love her. Tell me more about it. How did mm-hmm. it feel? Mm-hmm. Can I pray for you?" I mean, what's it like for you? What they're telling you is, I can go there with
0: you, and they're a good candidate for being a life team. Boy, that's mm. good. That's good. Okay. Oh, the first four of the C's are, you know, pretty uh, healthy identifiers. There's a lot of identifiers, input. There's yeah. a lot of
1: input for you. The
0: next three are more troubling. So go over those other three, and what are the core... Yeah. The fourth one is care, because Jesus said the poor will always be with you.
1: I mean, the people, we need to care for people. I mean, that's kind of what focus in the family is about, is how do we care nationally, internationally, people all the way from people in developing countries that have nothing to somebody who's homeless or going through sex trafficking or somebody, a friend who's in need or whatever, and we're called to do that. And so we have responsibility to do that, to be on boards, to do help, to, you know, I'm, I'm always doing kind of roll-your-sleeves-up kind of ministry, and so... The cool thing about that, though, is every time you finish doing a service project or whatever, and you're probably like this, too, and I'll be flying home or driving home, I'll always say to myself, why am I not doing that more? I feel like transcendent. I feel like I'm with God, and that's because God puts a little endorphin in me every time I give as a self-reinforcing system to say, that felt good, didn't it, John? Do it again. Mm. It's how he keeps care going because we feel so at one with God after we do it. Yeah, and then the chronic side. Well, the chronics, you know, I'm originally from the South, and we call the chronics the bless their heart
2: folks. (laughs)
1: Bless their heart.
2: They're trying. It's it's not a term of endearment.
1: No, it's a nice way to say, oh, my gosh, because the problem with them is they're they're not mean people. Certainly not. But they have problems that never go away. Money problems, relationship problems, self-help problems, job problems. And the key to being a chronic is that they have what I call—and I'm not being—I'm being charitable here—they have what I call a flat learning curve. <laughs>
0: okay. <laughs> they
1: experience pain and loss and all this, and you and I would go, "What I pick up from that, I want to do that differently." And they right. go back and make the same mistake mm-hmm. over again. The proverbs in the Bible would call them a foolish person. And you, most of us spend way too much time trying to help a chronic change. And if you've ever done that, spent mentoring time with somebody and, and, and had meetings with them and didn't go to your kids' soccer games because they needed you so much, the key is when they, to give them a homework assignment. I'm big on homework assignments. <laughs> and they come back from the next meeting and say, well, did you do that thing about you know, going to a Dave Ramsey course or did you do that thing about spiritual development or about working out? And they'll go, no, I've been really busy. <laughs> <laughs> and you say that's what i told you to get out of your pain from last week and they're the ones you have to sometimes say i can't spend as much time with them as i'd like to because they can totally drain you
0: yeah and that's that's important um the last one is the most dangerous the, the contaminant dangerous. Mm-hmm. describe that person tam is a person who's a bad person you know
1: i believe in a personal devil from the bible i believe he's a personality and i believe that they are bad people and um and, and you see in the Bible that there are people who, just like the devil, they want to seek and destroy. And a, a person who's a contaminant really has a lot of envious feelings towards successful people. If you've got a family, they may want to tear your family apart. Hmm. If you've got an organization or a church, they want to tear their other apart because they, they, they're just bad people. Give me the
0: adjectives so the person listening could could identify, oh, man, that's Aunt Sally. Yeah, okay, several things. Um, one is they tend to be predatory.
1: They they use and exploit other people. Second, they never look at themselves, it's never about them. Thirdly, they seem to have a kind of a strange joy in other people's um, pain,
0: uh-huh.
1: and they, they and then they get become actually kind of gossips to make that happen. I mean, they're just bad people. And so, what I tell people is just make sure that you tell them the truth because we all deserve the truth, and. You make sure you've got the resource around them and, and be confrontive, and if they change, spend more time with them. But don't sacrifice your family or your church or your business or your head with those people. I spend more time with chronics because, God bless them, they need help. Yeah. Contaminants
0: protect your life. Yeah, no, that, and that's good advice. John, I think for the last question here as we wrap up, and again, what great principles and people feel Uh, Probably the area that we have the most conflict in, it could be marriage and kids, especially adult kids, and that's one of the areas that we receive a lot of feedback from. But you have a wonderful story of conflict within a family, and I think it's a great illustration that many, many people will be able to take away. So Mm -hmm. what was the story, and what did they learn, and what did you learn in that situation?
1: Yeah, Jim, um, it's a family that uh, I've always been really close to, and our family traveled with their family on vacations. Everybody had the chemistry, and one of the daughters came up and said, I'm really struggling. I don't I'm – fo- I'm, I'm graduating from college. I don't have a job. I've got financial issues, and my boyfriend and I broke up, and my heart's broken, and I don't even know if I believe in the Lord because I'm in a big college, and wow. they don't believe. So I said, I- I'm, I've known you since birth. What can I do? This is awful. She said, you can fix my mother. And I said, how did we get from here to there? She said, well, I go to her with these problems, and my mother says, look, honey, you're smart, you're resilient, and you're going to be a winner. So feel better. And I said, does that help? She goes, no, I just avoid her. I said, how about dad? She says, dad and I talk all the time. I said, I'll talk to mom because mom was a dear friend of mine. And so I said, your daughter is, you know, struggling, and she— feels like you're not listening she goes look you're a psychologist I have this wisdom and encouragement that God gave me and these great action steps so you know open her head up and and show, you know you're, you're a shrink open her head up so I can put my nuggets of wisdom in and close the top and that's what you guys do and I said and that's kind of not what we do <laughs> how nice to be caught in the middle here yeah. yikes so I talked to Mom, and I said, look at it this way. Your daughter fell down a well, a well of no relationship, a well of being overwhelmed, no money, um, faith issues. And she's down this well, and she's struggling. And then you come and see her, and where you are, you know, the sun is shining, and, and you know— Spotify's playing a hill song and everything's good there and all this. And you look down and say, "Honey, you're strong and resilient. You're a winner. Come on up, like Bob Barker, you know, and the whole thing." Yeah. And she just blows you off because you're not with her. Mm-hmm. Now your husband, who's also a dear friend of mine, he sees y'all's daughter and he jumps into the well. He lands there with her and he picks up his daughter, y'all's daughter, and he holds her and he says, it's dark here and it's overwhelming and it's scary and I'm with you as long as it takes and we'll get out together. That's why she listens to him and not you. And the mother said, mm-hmm. I, you're telling me to, to change my ways? I said, yeah, I mean, give grace before truth. Grace gives us the, the, the permission to give truth. If they don't feel like we're in the well of pain with us, they're not gonna listen to us. So just be with her and be present. She tried it. I checked with them about six weeks later. The daughter said, Mom, and I talk all the time. And the mom said, I've learned it. I've learned how to listen before I do this. And here's the message for people when I'm giving this talk is most of us think right now when they're hearing this, I need to do that. I need to get in that well first and say, I'm with you. Tell me more about it. How does it feel before I give my truth? I've got to be better about that. But that's not what I tell people to think. It's a great thought. Put that thought on the back burner. What we really need to be thinking now is seven words, and these are the hard ones. Who am I inviting to my well? Who am I inviting to my well? Because that's hard. That's vulnerable. Mm -hmm. But how can I give those things to others if I'm not asking for
0: them too? So I challenge people to get somebody in your well and say, Mm -hmm. let me tell you how I'm really doing. John, this has been great. And let me turn to the listeners. Uh, This is a great resource and one that I think is really going to bless you and those around you. And uh, you can contact us here at Focus on the Family Canada to get your copy. And remember, when you get in touch with us and you order the resources from Focus Canada, all those proceeds, they don't go to shareholders. It goes right back into ministry, saving a marriage, saving a baby's life. So through uh, Focus Canada, you can help many people while you're getting a great resource. Jim, can I say a word about that? Sure. I've been a donor to Focus for many, many
1: years, and I have never regretted and always loved the fruit that I see of what you guys are doing around the world in all those areas. It's a blessing.
0: Well, it's very kind. And, John, it's great to have you as part of that. I mean, you're at the table giving the advice, and I so appreciate our partnership that way.
2: Yeah. Well, donate as you can, monthly or a one-time gift. And as Jim said, if you can't afford to give right now, we understand that. Uh, regardless, request your copy of People Fuel by Dr. John Townsend when you call 800, the letter A, and the word family, or stop by focusonthefamily.ca. Well, on behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team, thanks for joining us today for Focus on the Family. I'm John Fuller, inviting you back as we once again help you and your family thrive in Christ.